Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. Good morning, family. How are you all doing? Thanks, Nini. What a great day to be in the house of God. Yeah? Who's happy to be here? Excellent. You may take your seats. Sorry? Luke, Luke does look good today. I think he's trying to draw attention to you to make you feel uncomfortable, Luke. I'm on to him. <laughs> I didn't hear that, but these people in the front row with young hearing heard that, so... Oh. <laughs> that's what Callum said at his wedding and that's become one of the funny catchphrases of our family. What did he say? We, we, we weren't poor, we were just pastors <laughs> growing up. <laughs> but yeah, God always has provided for us. That's our declaration He's been good in every season. He's been so good in every season. Our declaration over our families, over our lives is so important. And last time I spoke, I, talk about, I talked about our spiritual authority as individuals. Uh, this morning I want to speak a bit more about our spiritual authority as the church, as the corporate body, the family of God and how he's called us to be all living stones fitted together for a purpose. So our unified, unified voice as the church is so powerful and so important. And so my message is called The Voice of the Church. The Voice of the Church. So what did God intend the church to be? Have you ever just thought about it? Have you ever thought about why do we all get up on a Sunday and come here and gather together? Why are you here this morning? Why have you made the effort above all the other things that you could do on a Sunday to be obedient to what the Word of God says and to come and corporately gather with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Why do we do it? Why we do it is important. Why you are here is important. Are you here because someone else dragged you along? Are you here because you value worshipping God and setting aside a day for him? Are you here because you thought, oh, it's been a while, I probably should go along? <laughs> what is the church not It's important to look at what the church isn't before we look at what the church is because there's been some fallacies around what the church is. The church is not a building. This building only becomes a church when we're all in it because <laughs> we are the church. We are the church. That's clear in scripture. The church is not a group of people saved by the skin of their teeth 
just existing on earth until we finally get to escape and go to heaven. <laughs> that is not what we are. That is not what we are. We are so much more than that. We are not just a meek and mild little gathering of people that hides away in this building from the big, dark, bad world either. We are so much more than that. We are not on some approval-seeking mission with the world to try and convince them that, oh, we are relevant and we are cool. We're not really that geeky and weird and... You know, we, we, do, we are cool. It's all right. Come and join us. Come and join us. Look, we wear name brand clothing and we, we sing contemporary songs and we're not pleading with the world for their approval. We are so much more than that. Yes? Do we know who we are? And we are not a self-righteous people. Pointing at the world with a bony finger of accusation saying, you're all going to burn in hell because we are so much more righteous and better than you. We are not that either, are we? So why do we gather every Sunday? And sometimes more than every Sunday. Is it just for mutual encouragement? Is it just for worship? Although we come to worship God and that is a powerful thing that we do together. Uh, is it for strengthening in the word? Yes. Is it for prayer support so that we can pray for each other? Yes. But it's also for more than that. It's also for more than that. So we're going to look at the more than that this morning. Is that all good? Are you excited about that? Are you excited to know the more? I believe the church is stepping into an era where we are going to know our authority and know what we are called to more than ever. There have been decades where the church has had an identity crisis and started to slip into some of those things that I mentioned before. But I believe it's time for the church to step out of our, our identity crisis, to know who our Father is, to know who we are, to know what we're called to do and who we're called to be. Because the world needs it and as the world grows darker, the church must shine brighter. The church must arise and be the people that God has called us to be and be a voice to our city and a voice to our country and a voice to the nations. And we need to know the authority that we carry individually and corporately as the church. We're going to look at a pas passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 16. That's mainly where we're going to sit this morning. So feel free to turn there with me and or Click there with me. This is a really interesting passage of scripture because it talks about the church. Jesus talks about his church in this passage. And he starts by taking his disciples to a place called Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. Right? So I asked, 
um, Regan, if you could find it on the map for me, if if he's been able to. So um, Caesarea Philippi was a bit out of the way for where Jesus normally ministered and it was a bit out of the way of where he normally hung out with his disciples. It was a 25-mile journey north of Galilee, right? So it was a bit of a, um, a hike on foot, probably a couple of, you know, like a three-day walk to, you know, 25 miles. How many kilometres is that? 45 kilometres. A good three-day hike, yeah? Two days for those of us who are more experienced. <laughs> Says me who hasn't hiked for about a decade. So, um, where is it? There it is with a red arrow. He even, he even put an arrow on it to make it easy for me. So, it's right up there, right? It's a, it's a bit of a hike. So, and Caesarea Philippi was at the bottom of Mount Hermon. Okay, so it was the bottom of a mountain. And it was known for its immorality. It was like the Las Vegas of Israel, only worse. Okay, so Jesus is taking his disciples who are young men, probably all in their late teens, early 20s, and he's taking them to the sin city of Israel. So come with me, I'm going to teach you something about the church and I'm going to take you to one of the most immoral places in Israel. So this is where no good Jew would be seen dead in this place because their religious practices were very different to the rest of the religious practices of Israel. So they believed that at the bottom of Mount Hermon there was this big cave, right? So they believed that that was the gateway to the underworld. They worshipped Baal there. They used to worship Baal there. And then when the um, Greeks came along, they started worshipping the Greek fertility gods there at the bottom of Mount Hermon. So um, was it Pan? Was that the Greek fertility god? I've written it down here somewhere. Yeah, the, the fertility god Pan was worshipped here. So there was a cave. And if you apparently if you go there today, I haven't been there. Some of you may have been there. You guys have been there. Apparently if you go there today, you can see the shrines. See those little holes carved in the side of, beside the cliffs there? Those little shrines, those little um, niches is where they would put shrines to the gods of fertility. And when there was snow on the mountain over winter, in springtime, the snow would melt and drift through the mountain and then there'd be this waterfall that would come out of the mouth of the cave and they believed that that was the fertility gods waking up from hibernation during spring and they would perform all these kind of deplorable... Um, pagan rituals right there at the mouth of the cave. All sorts of sexual practices and deplorable things to try and attract the fertility gods to come out of the cave in springtime. 
So this was like, yeah, Sin City. This is where it all happened. This is where Jesus said, come on, boys. Come, we're going to go visit this place. And I'm going to talk to you about this amazing church that is in my heart that I'm going to build on the earth. Of all places. And this was called the Gates of Hell. They referred to this cave as the Gates of Hell. Okay, so that's a bit of context for the scripture uh, that we're about to read. So Matthew 16, 13 to 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he said? Who do you guys think I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, yes, good one, Simon. Blessed are you. you you've been listening, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this revelation of who I am, I will build my church. And then he goes on to say, and the gates of hell, the darkest most deplorable, most decadent, most immoral, most wicked places and practices will not prevail against the church. In fact, I'm going to ask you to go into the most dark places on the planet and I'm going to ask you to build my church there and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Jesus was saying, I don't want you to be intimidated by even the darkest places, the darkest practices, the most demonic things. You are not going to be intimidated by the darkest days, by the darkest things that are taking place on the earth because I will build my church through generations, through generations, I will build my church. Is anyone excited about that? The church has prevailed and the church will prevail. Amen. And that word church is that wonderful word ecclesia. Ecclesia means a legislative assembly. It means a gathering of people with authority to make declarations to make laws over a region, to speak certain things over an area. The ecclesia was a legislative assembly. It was a group of people with power, with power. That's what ecclesia means and that's who we are. We're a group of people with power, power over our city, spiritual authority, Spiritual authority. And I think when we come to understand really how much spiritual authority we have, 
it will be an amazing day for the church. It will be an amazing day for the world when the church really starts to step up into all that God has called us to be, won't it? It will be amazing when we, when we step into everything that God has ordained for us. Did you, do you know that, you know, the King James Version of the Bible that was translated in 1611? Don't confuse me. King James actually asked for that word ecclesia to be taken out of the translation. And he replaced it with another word, the Greek word kairokos, which means belonging to God, a people belonging to God, which is very nice, but it doesn't have the same authority because he was threatened by the church knowing how much authority they had. And he probably had good reason to be back then because <laughs> the church hasn't always used his authority for good, hasn't always used it in the best way. But I believe the church is maturing into a place where we know how to use our authority in a very good, constructive, God-ordained way. Yeah? Who believes that? Great. Some of you are with me. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, which is good. I want you to think. I want you to think. Hmm. So you think that the disciples may have felt somewhat overwhelmed by the challenge that Jesus was giving them, taking them to the place of the very darkest practices on the in Israel at that time, but then he went on to remind them of the authority that they had. He went on to say, hey, I'm not sending you out there without something to work with, boys, right? He'd been teaching them, they'd been sitting under him as their rabbi for years and he'd been teaching them about the authority that they had. And he goes on to describe it in Matthew 16, 19, and he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, I am giving you authority to build my church. I am giving you authority to be my church. I am giving you authority to legislate heaven on earth. I am giving you my authority to speak heaven into earth. Heaven into earth. And the, the, the Greek word for keys is kles, which means the power to open and shut. We have the power to open and we have the power to shut. We have the power to open the windows of heaven. We have the power to shut doors in our city that have been opened that should never have been opened. We have the power to say yes and we have the power to say no. We have the keys of the kingdom to unlock things and to lock things. That's who we are. And whatever you bind, which means to fasten with chains, will be bound. 
And whatever you loose, which means to release, to set free, will be released and set free. In fact, that term, it actually it is a present past tense. It means will have already been loosed in heaven. Will have already been bound in heaven. So anything that we speak into freedom on earth is already free in heaven. So anything that is happening in heaven, we have the authority to say happen on earth. There is healing on heaven. So we in heaven. So we have the authority to release healing on earth. There is peace in heaven. So we have the authority to release peace on earth. Yes, there is victory in heaven. There is joy in heaven. So we have the authority to release that on the earth. Yes. And whatever is bound in heaven, every work of the enemy, every, every demonic power, Every evil, every kind of evil, every kind of bondage is already bound in heaven and we have the power to bind it on earth, to bind it, to bind it, to bind it. And to say no more, no more, not in my house, not in my family, not in my city, not in my street. That is the authority that we have. And we need to step up into it. We need to step in it. We need to walk in it, yes? Yes, and we need to know who we are. You need to know who you are. You have authority. You have authority. And Stephen was talking last week about complaining and how much the children of Israel complained, complained, complained. And do you know why God hates complaining so much? Because it is a complete waste of our authority. Because we carry authority in our voice. And so we speak fruitfulness, we speak praise, we speak freedom. And when we just degrade ourselves to whining and complaining, we are lowering ourselves below what we are called for. And that's why God hates it, hates it so much. So... On a personal level, on a personal level, I just want to say, with your mouth, with your voice, consecrate it to God. Consecrate every word. James said we'll be judged for every idle word. That is every word that's useless, it's a waste of our breath, it's below what we're called for. So consecrate your mouth, which means... Only take ownership of what you want to own in your life. Only agree with what you want to agree with in your life. Yes. <laughs> Which means, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago that had a pronouncement, a medical pronouncement, a diagnosis. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> they had a diagnosis over their life. And then they started saying, I have this condition. I have this condition. My blah, blah, blah. My blah, blah, blah. Don't call it yours unless you want it to belong to you. You can have a diagnosis, but you don't have to call it yours because your voice is powerful. 
For example, you can have a diagnosis of anxiety, but don't go calling it yours, my anxiety, my anxiety, my anxiety, because you've just welcomed it, you've built it a house and given it a bed to sleep in. Right? So you can have a diagnosis spoken over you by a doctor, but you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to invite it in. In fact, you can disagree very strongly with it if you believe it's not what God has for your life. And you can actually say, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I disagree with that diagnosis by the power and authority that I have as a daughter or son of God. So that is on a personal level. Only agree with what you want to invite in. Only call yours what you want to be yours. If you don't want it to be yours, then reject it. Resist it. Yeah? That's the authority that you have over yourself, your body, your family, your household. A better statement is I have the mind of Christ. I have divine health. Yeah? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes? Corporately, our voice is even more powerful because Jesus said when two or more of you gather, actually I have this scripture, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Anyway, he said when two or more of you gather and agree on any one thing, it is done by my Father on hev- in heaven, right? So when we all come together, there is more than two of us here When we agree on any one thing, when we agree with one voice, then it gets heaven's attention. It gets heaven's attention. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that exciting? Yeah. It gets heaven's attention. So the things that we declare corporately carry power. That's why our corporate worship is so important. And discerning what God is doing in our worship is so important. When we come in together and we're worshipping, let's have our spiritual ears attuned to what God is doing in that moment. Let's have our spiritual eyes open to what God is doing in that moment. Let's be in one voice, in one accord, and activating our faith to believe and agree with what we're singing. And... You know, to discern what is going on in that song. Because I believe the church is coming into a season not just of worship but of warship, where we become a warship, where we become a one accord powerful body of people declaring the word of God, the now word of God over our city. Yes? So, you know, some songs have a, a warship, a warfare anointing on them, right? So if your eyes and your ears, your spiritual eyes and your ears are open, you're like, hey, this is a song full of declarations overtaking territory over our city, Right, And when we all tune into that and we all apply our faith to that and we all start singing that and speaking it out, 
with authority. Imagine what God can do in the atmosphere of Mildura. Imagine. Imagine. And the enemy wants to deceive us into thinking we're just all here having a little sing song. It's not really that effectual. We're just singing some words. No, it is so much more than that. For example, that song, this is a house of healing. This is a house of praise where every demon trembles when we declare his name. That is a prophetic song that we are singing over this church, this body of people. And when we all apply our faith to that, that becomes a warship, a warship moving through the waters of our city. Yes? And when we're singing, come alive in the name of Jesus, come alive in the name of Jesus, this is a house of miracles. What are you speaking to when you're singing that line? What are you telling to come alive in your life? Are you speaking to your faith? Are you speaking to the hearts of your family members that are yet to receive Jesus? Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Awaken. Awaken to his purpose for your life. Awaken your desire for him. Apply what you are singing to your faith and make it purposeful because that's when it shifts atmospheres. That's when we're releasing the heavenly angels, the ministering spirits for those who are sent to minister to the ones who are about to receive salvation. We're releasing them into the atmosphere and we're saying, go and do everything that the Father has for you to do. I'm trying to awaken you to the authority that we have in our corporate voice. Yeah? Does it make sense? Those of you who are prophetically inclined will know exactly what I'm talking about because that's who you are. That's your desire. Yeah? And, but the Word of God says that we can all prophesy. We can all prophesy. Sometimes it's a healing anointing over a song, yeah? And we're just singing about his healing and you can, you can if you're once again tuning in and not being distracted, not thinking about lunch, right? If you're tuning into what the Holy Spirit's doing in the room, you can feel the anointing power of Jesus starting to flow through the room because we're singing about his healing, we're singing about his love. We're singing about his beauty, right? And you're just aware of what he's doing in the room and what he's doing in you. Sometimes it's a freedom anointing. Sometimes it's a celebration anointing on a song where you just want to go, yeah, God is so good. He's been so good to me. He will always be so good and we're just celebrating together and you feel it rising up in you, that joy, and you don't want to sit still in your seat because it's being activated, the celebration, the joyfulness. The gratitude in you is being activated in a song, yeah? 
And our corporate declaration of that once again just lifts the name of Jesus higher. I want to ask Frank to share. I'm talking about in our gathering when we are all asking the Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this moment? Can I encourage you to do that when we're worshipping? Because it helps you to focus, it helps you to centre and it helps us all to be in agreement and it helps it to become more than just us in a room singing a song. It transforms us then into a company of people who are making a godly declaration. So can I encourage you when we gather, ask the question, Father, what are you doing right now? What what are you saying through this song? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to us as a gathering of people? What are you activating us to do in our city? So I want to ask Frank just to share something that he saw in worship a couple of weeks ago. Thanks. Um, Yeah, a few weeks back um, while we were praising and the, the song we were in was a real song of praise and as we were praising... I just saw Jesus coming over. It was almost like a hill, but he just had this massive smile on his face and he was just dancing and swaying with um, the music, the rhythm of the music. As we went from praise to worship, the next song was a slow song and we went to worship. It was as though we were all sitting down um, in a field And then Jesus was just walking through and as he was walking past each one of us, um, his presence was just healing sicknesses, healing minds, healing emotions and he just walked through and just healing was just taking place and all we were doing was sitting there quietly worshipping in his presence. I love that. See, spiritual eyes. He reveals his mystery to those who are seeking him, leaning into him. Jane, can you come and share what you saw in worship a little while ago? This, this can be all of your reality. Thank you, Kylie. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Honestly, Kylie and Steve are such a gift. They are such a gift to us on a level that I didn't even know I needed. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Um, Very similar, Frank, actually, and I had no idea until I arrived this morning that um, we were going to be sharing. Um, It was a couple of weeks ago in the worship service. um, I felt the Holy Spirit brooding across this auditorium and... I don't even know if I can articulate it to you in the way that I saw it in my mind. Um, But I saw the Holy Spirit cracking an egg (laughs) over the top of the head of every individual in the room. It wasn't one big egg over everybody. It was like an individual egg over the head of every person in the room. So it's a bit strange. (laughs) And as I began to go, oh, it like took my breath away, you know. It was one of those moments where I was like, 
what is that? What's going on? What, what is happening? And I just really felt the Holy Spirit say, you couldn't escape it if you tried. You couldn't escape the anointing of God if you wanted to. I don't know if you've ever, like, accidentally broken an egg on the bench. It's really hard to clean it up. Like, it's a real mess. Like, if you try and wipe it up, it just moves with you. It leaves a sticky film behind. It's like a mess. You couldn't escape it if you tried. And there's something else about an egg that actually an egg is a very whole source of nutrition. It's very complete. You've got everything, a lot of nutrition, a lot of nutrition is inside an egg. It's got layers to it. It's, it's got a central yolk that is very, very nutritious. It has the white part that is very satiating. It's the protein part of the egg. It makes you satisfied. And egg is a very whole source of nutrition. Um, and another thing about an egg, the purpose of an egg is actually the whole thing is quite contained. An egg is contained. But the purpose of an egg is not realised until it's broken. Um, and the purpose of the egg is actually to emulsify. It's actually to bring everything together. And I just believed in that moment. I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying to us or to me, I don't know why to me, but please take what you need from this. That I believe that God was saying that every ingredient, everything that you bring is individual, but it comes together to make something new that is actually the purpose of God in the beginning. <laughs> Can I put it like that? With I don't, That's my very simple, very, you know, human kind of words, but I hope that gives you some kind of purpose in what's going on and why we come. And psychologists all over the world will tell you one of the most important ingredients for humans' well-being is a sense of belonging. And I think that's really where this whole message that Kylie's been speaking to us this morning comes to is that we have authority and we have purpose and we come together and we're kind of glued together like the anointing of God brings us together and then we can realise our purpose on the earth. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, God, is, God is up to something good, isn't he? He's always doing something among us. He's always moving. And I feel, like I, I feel like I've said enough. I just want to bless you guys. I, I bless you to see what God is doing. I bless you to hear what God is doing. And I come against the lie that says I can't hear from God because all of you can hear from God. All of you can be attuned with what God is doing. All of you can know him. Thanks for joining today. 
If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.